Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Welcome back. This is Adam Rosen, and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. I know that a lot of you are waiting to hear the nuts and bolts and all the great tips of the actual surgery, but it's extremely important, in my opinion, that we actually care for these patients, and that begins both in the pre-op as well as in the post-operative setting. So today what I want to do is talk to you a little bit about informed consent and Even more importantly, I believe, is realistic expectations for patients to understand what they're getting themselves into. So when I've decided that somebody is a good total knee replacement candidate, I do make it a habit of going through the entire operation, and specifically with the use of a knee model. And they say a picture is worth a thousand words. I think a model may be worth 10,000 or 100,000 words, because many patients still believe that when we do a knee replacement, that we actually chop out a huge segment of their leg and place a hinge. So what I like to do is explain to the patients that a knee replacement, in my opinion, is actually more of a resurfacing because we're actually just taking off the cartilage and a small portion of bone. I'll explain to them that mainly the bone removed is about a centimeter. And even on the x-ray, I'll draw out lines and show them where the common cuts are going to be made so that they understand that the knee remaining is predominantly still theirs. It's their tendons, their bone, their ligaments. And I explained to them also that because we can't replace all of those structures, that some patients may still have some symptoms around their knee after a successful knee replacement surgery. This makes a lot more sense to the guy that had an MCL rupture in high school and has three staples on the medial collateral ligament. You replace his knee, his legs straight, the x-rays look good, his range of motion's good, but he'll still have some achiness and soreness. And it makes sense to him because he's had that old surgery and those staples there. But when someone hasn't had a prior injury or surgery and they still have symptoms after surgery, or even more commonly, they may fall and injure their knee a few years down the road and they're concerned about the implant, the x-rays show that everything's okay, they're still usually surprised that they can injure the tendons or the ligaments around the knee because they believe that you replaced the whole knee. So I think giving the patients that implant, showing them that implant, letting them play with it, showing how that knee actually functions and bends and straightens and pivots makes a lot of sense to patients and they have a better understanding of what they're actually getting put into their knee. Now, when we talk about risks and complications, there's a lot of things that you can go into to give a patient very detailed and informed consent. Now, we go into all the basic common denominators. So I talk to patients about infection, and I'll explain to them the percentages of infection. But in certain patients that have things that may increase that risk, say multiple prior surgeries or diabetes or other issues, I'll explain to them not only the risk of infection, but in very vivid detail what actually happens if they get an infection. We also talk about blood clots, both in the leg and the lung. And once again, you can talk to patients about what the risks are and what you can do to prevent or minimize that risk. But in patients that are predisposed due to a genetic clotting disorder or have had a prior DVT or PE, 
I go into more detail with that particular patient as that they're at higher risk than the normal patient. Bleeding risk, I think, luckily nowadays, is something that patients and doctors don't really deal with much anymore for routine knee replacements due to the use of transexamic acid. At least in our institution, that's really lowered our risk of transfusion from 20% to less than 1%. But it is important to talk to patients more commonly when it comes to revisions about the risk of bleeding and transfusions. Now, there's a lot of other things that can happen um, during surgery, and I explain this to the patient, but these are all rare. Things like vascular injury, tendon rupture, ligament rupture, fractures, all of those things can happen, but they are rare. And then when we talk about later things that you may see, such as loosening of the implant or failure of the implant or even late infection, plastic or polyethylene wear, I go into all those details. So there's a whole slew of complications that I do believe it's important to go through. I have them documented on my handout so I can have the patients read through them, making sure that they've heard them not only from me in the office, but they've read them and they've watched them on our video. Now, when it comes to informed consent, uh, one of the most important things I think is having patients have realistic expectations of what they can do. So if you have somebody that's running and has pain, just understand a knee replacement is probably not the best surgery for that patient. So when you let them know what activities they can do with a knee replacement, it's important to understand what activities they're currently doing and what troubles they're having with those activities. The other important thing I think is very important is talking to patients about range of motion, letting them know that a total knee replacement may most commonly on average get 115 to 120 degrees of flexion. I will show them this with the knee model and I'll use the goniometer and I like to make it a habit of using their other knee as a baseline, especially if it's not arthritic because what I find for a lot of patients is you may measure them preoperatively at 112 and then postoperatively they get 125. But their complaint to you is, doc, my knee's stiff, it won't bend where in actuality, they actually have more flexion than they had prior to surgery. But there is a feeling of stiffness, even though the measured range of motion may be better. And I do also talk in detail to those extreme variables of the person maybe that has only 85 degrees of flexion preoperatively, and explaining that although most knees get 115 to 120, that you may not get that high because you're starting out much lower. But the other extreme of that is the patient that comes in with 150 degrees of flexion. You truly have to let that patient know that it is possible and probable that they will not have that after a knee replacement surgery and letting a patient know that they may have less motion after surgery than they have prior to surgery is very important in the realistic expectation and the realistic outcomes arena. Now, I think you've heard me talk about it before, but the other analogy that I like to use is that a knee replacement is not a normal knee. We can't give them back a normal knee. So I use that scale of zero to 10 as a guideline. So a 10, a perfect 10 is a normal knee. A great total knee replacement, in my opinion, is at best an eight. So if somebody's a six or a seven, they're not gonna be happy going up one or two points. However, if they are a four or lower, and we get them from a function scale of a four to an eight, that's 100% improvement but you do not want that patient coming back in, having a normal knee on the other side and consistently complaining that the knee replacement's not as good as their other normal knee, letting them know that a normal knee replacement is better than the arthritic knee, but not a normal knee. 
And the other things that I like to let patients uh, know about are the common others. Um, these are things that are very common after knee replacements and in our opinion are normal. And in our opinion as surgeons, they're not really complications, but many patients do get concerned and are very uh, nervous when these things do occur. So the most common thing, warmth, letting patients know that their knee will feel warm for possibly a year or two. And just because it's warm does not mean it's infected. The other thing is clicking. And I make it a habit of showing patients with my pen and a piece of metal, usually under the keyboard in the office of the clicking that occurs when metal touches plastic, or I'll show them with the knee model. And I explain that in a normal knee, cartilage on cartilage is like two wet sponges banging on one another. It doesn't make a sound. In an arthritic knee, they get a lot of rubbing, clicking, popping, and they get used to that. But when they hear the clicking, they always fear that something's loose. So if I show them on the knee model that if they have a half a millimeter of separation and then it clicks, it does not mean that it's loose. They're just hearing the hard metal surface touch the other surface of plastic. The other thing I talk to patients about is the lateral numbness, explaining that when they have an incision, that there will always be some microscopic nerves cut and they may have some numbness on the outside or lateral aspect of their knee. They will have night pain. That's very common for most patients for six or eight weeks. So if you've had a patient that has night pain because of arthritis, it's not a new change for them. And if you have a guy that due to an enlarged prostate gets up three times a night, he probably won't care or notice it because he's getting up and moving his knee. But for other patients, a bunch of sleepless nights after surgery leads to a lot of irritability and sometimes fear because they're wondering what's wrong or will it go away. So letting patients know ahead of time that night pain is not uncommon. I really stress the importance after surgery of sleep hygiene. Uh, all of those are ways to help combat that. And the other thing that I talk to patients about is kneeling. Not everybody, um, but a lot of people in the beginning will have a lot of pain at kneeling. And there's some protocols that I'll use down the road once the scar is well healed to help patients get back to kneeling. But letting someone know that they may have some discomfort, it may feel weird, or they may have to use a pad of some sort after knee replacement is important so they understand what they're getting themselves into prior to having the operation. And the other things which I touch in the informed consent sort of section uh, in the office with the patients prior to surgery, but it's gone into even more detail as the day of surgery gets closer, is that we expect these patients to go home. I currently do not do these outpatient, usually it's a 23-hour stay, but I let them know that one night in the hospital, 24 hours of antibiotics, two to three sessions of therapy, and then home. We do not use nursing homes, and I stress that I recommend my patients go home as I find they do better. There's lots of data that has looked at this, um, so we try to get the patients to get back into their home environment. Uh, and the other important thing I really stress to patients after surgery is be normal. You know, our patients are not sick. I always tell them, this is like an arthritic sports injury. Get up and walk it off. You can all see those patients that do great and the ones that do poorly. You know, the ones that have 16 family members hovering over them, they sit mom or dad on the sofa, they care for them 24-7, and the patient doesn't move. They all get stiff and do terrible. And the patients that go home and just limp and walk it off, they all tend to recover better, quicker, faster. Even my patients that do the best, I find, are the older females that have a spouse who may have Parkinson's disease and they go home and they care for them. They have to do the cooking, cleaning, dressing their husband. These are the ladies that walk in at one month like nothing happened. It's also important letting patients know ahead of time they can use stairs. I strongly encourage my patients to use stairs right away and get nervous when they talk about setting up a downstairs bedroom 
or getting a hospital bed. You know that those are patients that are going to do less steps, less activity throughout the day, which is going to prolong their recovery. And it's also important to let these patients know they can put full weight on this, that there's no reason for them with a cemented knee to not put full weight on it. A lot of people try to protect the weight bearing, and I find that this slows down the recovery. So there's a whole lot of information there. I hope that you found it helpful. These are things that I really try to go through every time in the office with my patients. And I find that not only going through the regular risks that you can go through with each patient about what the known medical risks are of the surgery, but more importantly, setting up realistic expectations. So these patients know what they're getting themselves into, what's going to be normal, so they do not get scared or nervous when something does occur after surgery, but more importantly, they come into surgery not having an unrealistic expectation of something that you can't give them. This, at the end of the day, leads to happier patients with what I believe are better outcomes in my total knee replacement patients. Well, until next time, uh, where we're going to go more into the the preoperative workup and all of the nuts and bolts of the medical aspects of what little parameters we have to look for, uh, I will talk to you then later, and we'll go into those into the next podcast. But again, thanks for listening. This is Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.